Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Last Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? We are doing a kind of an early uh, recap show here because we have three games that we can talk about, and that'll kind of lessen the load for Monday's show. So the games I wanted to talk about here was uh, Ohio State against Detroit Mercy. They played on Tuesday uh, during the week. Then we had Syracuse and Colgate, and then we had Navy and Manhattan. Before I get into talking about those, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, check us out across all platforms, but definitely wherever you see us, be sure to like it, uh, like our videos, comment on the videos, you know, get into the discussion, it'll help it get spread, but really just crash that, crush that like button, and as always, you can go to laxfactor.com to get yourself some swag, hats, uh, hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, Whatever. So let's get into this. The first game I'm going to talk about, obviously, because I'm a huge homer, is Syracuse and Colgate. Colgate coming off a absolute drubbing at the hands of UNC last weekend. They come into the Dome where they had defeated Syracuse last year by, I think it was three goals in the Dome in each team's first game. So Colgate's second game, Syracuse's first game. I got to give it to Colgate. They looked good. They came out firing at the end of the first quarter. It was four to three. And then after Syracuse had kind of opened it up in the, in the second quarter a little bit, they scored three unanswered goals to end the second quarter, to end the first half, and went into the half down just nine to six. And then the second half, Syracuse kind of continued to slowly but surely build that spread on them. But either way, it ended up being a very good game. And the things that we learned about Colgate is that they're not a absolutely terrible team. They're they're going to be a probably a little bit below 500 unless they can shore up some of their defensive issues because defensively they're not very good thus far. But in terms of Colgate overall, they're not the team I don't think that got whooped badly by UNC. They looked a, a lot better and Griffin Brown looked really good uh, in his own right. Another thing um, that we learned in that game was Syracuse's defense. Syracuse's defense looked rough. Early on, uh, I believe I'm, uh, Fernandez got beat by, I think it was Griffin Brown to the middle of the field. Um, Mellon had a tough time early on as well. Mellon was kind of trying to help adjacent a couple of times and you know just let his man catch and shoot with their hands free. Overall, as a defense, even after Mellon went out with his muscle injury, Mellon will be back, guys. It wasn't a serious injury. In- injury seems that it was just muscle related so he should be good possibly even for BU next week Uh, once he went out the defense didn't look any worse I think that there was just some things that they did poorly like I was kind of rough on him I did the radio show with uh, the guys up there uh, that do the post game show for the Syracuse radio station up there and we were all beating up the defense pretty badly. They did a lot of good things as well. Every time that Colgate would go on a run, one or two goals, they would end up doing something, forcing a turnover. The double teams looked good once they got a little bit more aggressive and felt comfortable trying to go after Colgate. I think Colgate did a good job of keeping their space, avoiding that the, the aggressive kind of double, ste- double team style that Syracuse was trying to play, and that allowed them to dodge into space. And then I think the, the main thing Syracuse did poorly was that 
they didn't stop the ball. They didn't stop the ball in transition. They didn't stop the ball or pick up the ball in broken play situations. So I think that if they stopped the ball in transition better, if they stopped the ball when it, when things were broken down a little bit more effectively and got on guys' hands, I feel like that would have shaved three goals off. And then, then it's a 21, 22 to nine or eight score instead of the, what would end up being 21 to 14. You know, I think they could have shaved, they, they probably could have got it down to 21 to 10 something like that, had they just taken better care of getting on guys' hands as plays were breaking down, as transition was coming down the field. Because that was they did they did really poorly at that. But the good news is it's all stuff they can fix. They're going to watch some tape on this. They're going to be a little bit more aggressive in trying to stop transition play. They may provide a little help. One of the things that people always say is, why do Syracuse's poles always get beat? It's because they put them on the island on purpose. They are purposely not sliding for the poles and they're letting the poles try to win that one-on-one matchup and then hoping that the goalie will make a save. It didn't really work out uh, that way. Colgate was really aggressive and you could tell they were ready for that island style of defense, but the defense will be able to shore it up. They'll be okay. On the Colgate side, Mike Hawkins had a big day, five goals and an assist, and then Griffin Brown, four goals and uh, no helpers. So, you know, Colgate ended up looking decent. And then on the Q side, I mean, holy crap, we got Rafus. He went one and seven on the day. So that is a great way for Steven Rafus to start 2020. Chase Scanlon goes for seven goals wearing the deuce deuce. I had even said the day before on the Syracuse Station's uh, preview show that uh, I felt like Scanlon wasn't necessarily going to put up monster points uh, for Syracuse because he was going to end up being a lo- an off ball threat, wouldn't carry a whole lot. He was incredible off ball, just was always in a good spot with his hands free. And when he got opportunities, he was efficient as all hell. Seven goals off 12 shots with 10 shots on cage. So a great job by Chase Scanlon. And then the unsung hero on this team, and I've been talking about this guy for a while because I'm a huge fan of his, is Jamie Tremboli. All the hype in the preseason, even a little bit for me, uh, for Tucker Dordovic, for uh, Brendan Curry, and Tremboli was, you know, and, and Dordovic and Curry both get preseason All-American nods, and Tremboli gets nothing. And Tremboli is the mid that looked like the best mid of the day. Four goals for Tremboli off eight shots, I might add. So he shot 50%, and uh, he put uh, seven of those eight shots on cage. So that was really good for Tremboli. And that's always been my problem with the, these Cuse mids aren't necessarily efficient or haven't been efficient in terms of their shooting, uh, getting their shots on the cage. So I was glad to see Tremboli do that. And he puts up four goals. He had that sweet goal from his knees that he scored. I think it was the 18th goal. And then the other guy, the, the guy who looked like a really, really solid mid also was from the second line. Lucas Quinn had himself a day. He has looked good in the preseason and now he's looking good in the regular season. He goes for three and one. So Quinn looked great. But if you go down the list here, uh, Tromboli 4-0, Quinn 3-1, Griffin Cook 1-1, Brendan Curry 2-0, Dordovic 0-1, Dirth 1-0. I mean, they they started to spread it out. Even Owen Siebold got himself a late goal as he had been brought in to try to help stall the ball out a little bit. Uh, Griffin Cook was quiet, but... What the attack did and really where Griffin Cook shined was is kind of that unsung hero role where the Syracuse ride was relentless. They scored at least four goals, I believe, off situations where they rode the Colgate uh, you know, defense into offense, into the ground, forced turnovers, forced fast break situations, and more often than not, it was Scanlon scoring in those scenarios. So Syracuse ride was incredible. Porter, I think, looked good. Drake Porter looked good. Uh, in the radio preview show for the Syracuse station, 
I'll put a link in the comment or in the description below so that you can go check out the preview show that I was featured on with Quint and uh, the Syracuse guys. And then we uh, I called into the postgame show and talked to them after about it as well. So I'll put links to those down below so you can check them out. They do an incredible job. Um, so Quint had said one of the problems with Porter last year in the Syracuse losses was that he did he did a poor job in those losses of breaking up the runs by the other teams. Notre Dame comes to mind. Virginia at the end of that game comes to mind last year. What he did yesterday was every time Colgate started to go on a run, he would come up with a save or two to stop that run, give some momentum back to Syracuse, and more often than not, Syracuse would run down the other end and score goals. So I think that despite his save percentage not being all that great, I think the defense put him in a lot of really bad situations. So I think Porter in the end should be pleased with the outing he had, and I think he did his job in breaking up those Colgate runs and allowing Syracuse to build that that spread. That spread, by the way, Adam Skatis, one of my buddies here, we sat down and made some lines. Uh, I changed the lines for Thursday's show, but one of the lines we kept was the Syracuse at uh, minus six and a half. That line looked really good as that score, the whole game just went from seven goals down to five, from seven down to five, and it ended up at seven. So I win that bet with Skatis. We had bet on 10 games, five bucks a pop. So right now I think I'm one game ahead. We we were one and one after the first week, and now I'm two and one uh, going into today's games. I put those lines up on Twitter and Facebook, so you can go there and check those out as well from uh, Thursday show. So all in all, it was a good outing for Syracuse. Colgate looked a lot better also, so even if you're a Colgate fan, there's reason to be optimistic there. FOP 15-22 from the faceoff X, Varello 10-17, so you know 25-39 of 39 overall from the faceoff dot, so that's not bad either. And uh, in the end, good game. Uh, Syracuse ended up pulling it out, looked a little rusty at first, but in that new offense, they ended up looking good. And that's their largest output uh, in terms of goal scored since, I think, 2017. Uh, they've are, Last year, their highest output was 18 goals, so they've already eclipsed that. So all good things for Syracuse. Uh, next game I wanted to talk about. Ohio State Buckeyes against Detroit Mercy. They played this earlier in the week, 23-9 to drubbing. The Buckeyes put it on Detroit Mercy. And I'm going to bring up the stats here so I can see them. What Ohio State is loaded. Their roster is loaded from top to bottom. So as we go through the guys that put up points for them, Jack Myers, filthy attackman, four goals, five helpers on the day. Jackson Reed, another filthy lacrosse player, four goals, three assists on the day. Trey LeClaire, six goals, two assists. Uh, Grant Mitchell, two goals, three assists. So Ohio State, they filled it up. Kersan and Cage, he's going to be key for Ohio State in Big Ten play for sure this year. He ends up coming up with seven saves on the day. It's tough to be a goalie when your team's whooping on people because you get a little bored here, especially where it's a drubbing like what uh, we saw here out of Ohio State. So Ohio State looking good, and it kind of continues that trend that we're seeing out of the Big Ten. The Big Ten teams, none of these teams traditionally were known as high-powered offenses. Hopkins, Maryland, um, Ohio State, you know, these teams were not teams that typically filled it up. And Penn State comes in with their new squad. They're a team that fills it up, and we're starting to see all of these teams now are trying to build themselves up into teams that can outscore Penn State. So, so far, we've seen nothing but Big Ten schools score 20 goals. I think everybody so far in the Big Ten that's played I know Rutgers scored 20. I know Maryland scored 20. Now Ohio State scored 20. So what we're seeing is Big Ten teams building up their offenses to the point that they can compete with Penn State. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. Another game we have to discuss, Navy. 
Navy played Manhattan yesterday, and it was a very boring game. Navy took control right away and then just does what Navy does, control the game and handle their business. So Navy jumps out to a 5-1 lead over Manhattan by the end of the first quarter, and then it's just 1-1 in the second, 1-1 in the third, and 2-1 in the fourth. I presume there was probably some elements they were playing in unless they were playing inside, which is definitely possible considering what the weather looked like yesterday because it was an absolute horror show. So in this game, let me bring up the individual stats for Navy because Manhattan, they didn't do much. Uh, Navy, Christian Daniel, two and two. Uh, he took five shots, so that's not bad. Uh, four shots on KG, ends up two and two on the day. Nick Cole gets himself two goals, and they they kind of were the the key for Navy. You know, just as they get that 5-1 lead, and they were involved early, and then they were involved late as well. So as we look at it, Daniel, uh, Cole scored the first goal. Daniel scores the second. Daniel assisted the first. Daniel assists the third. Cole scores the fifth. So you see these two guys factored heavily in the beginning of the game, and I think we'll get a heavy dose of uh, Cole and uh, Daniel throughout the season for Navy. So everyone was like, well, we expected a bigger beatdown uh, uh, by Navy over Manhattan, but that's not what Navy does. You you see a game like this where, okay, 5-1, they feel like they're in control, 6-2 at the end of the first half, four-goal lead, they feel like they're in control. So Navy doesn't necessarily beat up on teams. They're not built to beat up on teams. They're built to get a lead and hold hold the lead, and they did a good job uh, with that against Manhattan. We've got a ton of games coming up here uh, through the rest of today, so I'm going to sit around pretty much and watch lacrosse all day today. I've got my crazy Grizzly Adams beard going on here, so I look like some kind of homeless lumberjack. Uh, Let's say I would be an out-of-work homeless former lumberjack if that was where we were going. So, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, go to laxfactor.com. You can get yourself hats, t-shirts, mugs, whatever, anything you can do to support the channel. If you really just want to support us, though, share the video or at least smash that like button wherever you are, If you're, you know, or the heart, heart button if you're on Twitter or Instagram. But uh, make sure to come back Monday as well, because Monday we will have our weekend recap show where we'll go through and we'll recap all of the games that were played this week, or at least all of the games that we talked about in our Thursday preview show. And uh, we'll probably not talk about these three now because we already did it. So I hope all of you enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy watching a boatload of college across today. And Hoost is out.